Hundreds of hearts that beat as one. Grateful for all the house has done. Attention, attention. Welcome to the Weston House Camp Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Walensky, former camper, staff member, and current operations director. For first activity period, I will answer some fan mail from David Gorin and Brandon Avergon. For second activity period, I'll talk to Brady Block about making the Triple Crown plaque and being a fan at the house game. And finally, for elective time, I'll talk to high senior captain, Division I soccer captain for Columbia University, Guy Stampour, about the importance of being a well-rounded athlete over specialization and the amazing 1995 color war. Okay, let's start first activity period with a couple of questions and answers. Hi, Ryan. David Gorin here, West Ender from 1988 to 1995. Question to you about the pizza barn. Back in our day, it was a big tradition for the Major League Baseball All-Star Game and any trip to Robin Hood to have some sort of stop in at the pizza barn. Does that tradition continue today? And if so, are there any additional traditions where the pizza barn is involved? Thanks, Dave Gorin, for the question. Well, first off, the all-star game pizza barn tradition has been gone, I'm guessing, for a good 20, 25 years. Kids just don't care about the all-star game at all. I think the WNBA all-star game would probably get people as excited as the Major League Baseball all-star game. So that tradition hasn't been around in a while. The 15-under basketball tournament at Robin Hood Pizza Barn tradition is still going strong. I think we say you either have to win the tournament or come in second in order for your team to be able to go to Pizza Barn after the tournament at Robin Hood. Um, You know, there's been a little watering down. I feel like a couple of semifinal losing teams have made it to Pizza Barn as well. Kind of not really down with that everybody gets a trophy strategy. I feel like you got to get to the finals in order to get your pizza barn trip. At least you bring home some hardware either way. In terms of pizza barn traditions that still exist today, the only one I could think of is one of the auction part two prizes is disc golf in pizza barn with Ryan. So I take a, the winning bunk. That's usually a good 9,900 pointer. Take a bunk to, to a little disc golf course, which is about 10 minutes from pizza barn. Very nice little course. Takes about an hour. And then we head over to Pizza Barn right after. It's one of my favorite things to do over the summer. So that's one tradition. Um, I would say informally, it's always a good idea for the counselors, if they want to kiss up to me, to include me on a Pizza Barn run if they're going on a night out. If you don't ask Ryan what he wants at Pizza Barn, you go. that's a major, major, major issue. Uh, and one, I just, I just, it's unforgivable. And then the, the, just the other tidbit about Pizza Barn was that when we were having, Rachel and I were having our first child, Whitney, Jason Cohen, who was a counselor at the time, and Mark Sands, who was the waterfront, waterfront director, got both of us individually without speaking to each other uh bibs from pizza barn and we still use those two bibs today when we're brushing our kids teeth thank you dave gorn great question hi ryan this is brandon avergon uh, my question is what are your all-time favorite night activities uh, one from your time as a camper and staff and then one uh, from your time as a director brandon avergon former head coach of the blue savage thank you for the question and congratulations on your recent wedding so you asked the question what was my favorite night activity as a camper, staff, and director? So let me start with a camper. My personal favorite was treasure hunt. You know, you get a clue, and then you have to go to a certain spot at camp and find that, and then that leads you to the next clue. That was my go-to activity this summer. That was the thing I was the best at. I feel like I never lost a treasure hunt. So that was my jam. That's my number one. Monte Carlo night, always an awesome time. My bunk would used to dress up, play some roulette, play some, some dice games with the staff. There would always be... You know, an activity, one counselor versus another, and my bunk was so smart, we would bet on both sides, and the people running the activity never realized that we would win money either way. I think we've cleaned up that that loophole since then. As a counselor, I really enjoyed counselor hunt. I thought it was really fun. I like to go hide, and, and if I was able to not get caught, I like to be able to egg you know, a camper that might have annoyed me earlier in the day. We do not do this activity anymore, parents out there, so don't worry. But it was fun as a counselor, for sure. I think that's one of those net activities where the counselors like it way more than the kids. As a director, I got three I got to mention. Jurassic Park is a new one. It's based on the movie Jurassic Park. And Jurassic Park was named after the person who invented the activity, Aaron Jurassic, who was a counselor a couple years ago. 
And I don't even know what the rules are, but my kids love it. And they dress up as dinosaurs every year and throw balls at them. And it, they just have a ball. Another selfish one that I like personally is murder mystery. Because I, Rachel and I always play the roles of Asa and Marjorie, our laundry service. Shout out to Asa and Marjorie if you're listening to the podcast. I do a pretty good Asa. Double it, double it. And Rachel would play the role of Marjorie. And Whitney would actually play the role of a single load. That was always a good time. Although one year, Jonah Rapport kind of kicked me off the gig. Uh, I... I I guess I was just past my prime on that, and it was really sad. I, I've forgiven him. I think we're okay now. But it was kind of a tough moment for me that I got I got passed over for the role of Ace and Marjorie. And I'm sure this will not be a surprise to people at Cam now. Auction Part 2 has got to be my favorite now. I just love it. I make however signs. I give them to everyone in camp. And every time Bill says however before giving bad news, the entire camp roars. I like to do the auctioning. It's a great time. So those are my favorite activities. Thank you, Brandon Avergon, for the question. For second activity period, let's hear from the youngest block brother, Brady, about some of his favorite activities. Okay, I have a very special guest with me, a huge camp veteran of Bunk 3B. I have Brady Block with me. Brady, how are you? Good, how are you? Good, thanks. So, Brady, one thing I want to ask you is you are a second-generation West Ender. Could you tell me about your dad and your uncle going to camp and your brothers as well? Yeah, so my dad, Matthew Block, and my uncle, Brian Block, started in, like, the beginning of the 80s, and they stayed at camp for, like, 10 or 9 years. They both coached, uh, ran, I think also was a camper during Color War. And um, my brothers started in um, 2013, and we'll be in Gottlieb if camp happens this year. And then I started in 2015. Okay, so I, I got to ask you a question because you're the youngest of three brothers, as yeah. was I, that went to camp. What was it like for the two summers? It sounds like there was two summers where your brothers like were at camp and you weren't. What was that like being home without them? Well, it's also it's um it's good, but it's also sad that you're not home with them because like you obviously have fun with them with, with them over the summer. But it's also nice to have a quiet time during the summer, but also sad because they're not there to have fun with you. Do you remember some of the things they used to say before you even came? up to camp or any of the stories before you even came up your first year? Oh, yeah. The first year they, like, came back. They loved it at West End, and they, like, obviously wanted to go back for another year and more years. And then the second year, which was 2014, they stayed for Color War, and my brother Jonah Block was actually on the 600 Club team, Rumble, and uh, he told us how his division did very well and what his team did to get to 600 Club. Did he rub it into Riley all off season about how he was on the, the awesome White Rumble and he was on the terrible uh, Blue Frontier. Yeah, he did. Um. Oh no! <laughs> they didn't get any fights over that, did they? No, no, no. But he would just rub it in, and Riley obviously did not like that. And what about you? What is your color war record? Um, I'm three and two. So you've already been to camp for five years, even though you're only what are you, twelve years old? Eleven, turning twelve years. <laughs> you're only eleven years old, and you've <laughs> already been to camp. So if you keep up this pace, and if you're a fifteen year old Gottlieb, how many years of a as a camper will you have? I think nine or ten. I don't really know. Well, I wonder if that's a record. I know we've had campers that have been other campers that have started as young as you did. You started at six, right? Yes, six. Okay, I know the. In recent times, uh, Josiah and Messiah Bowen came early. Oh, yeah. Um, in my era, there was a couple, too. There was a, um, Greg Dancy, the youngest Dancy brother, and there was another camper as well. So one thing that's really I find really interesting about you, Brady, is that you accomplished the Triple Crown, which is extremely rare. It only happens at most like once a summer. Uh, usually it doesn't happen in any given summer. What was that like, and have you rubbed that into your brothers, that you have that distinguished honor and they don't? Oh. Well, actually, say, let me take a step back. Can you explain to everyone what is the Triple Crown? Crown is when World Cup, Desert War, and Color War all in the same year. Well, I'm going to be honest with you. At first, I didn't really know if what Triple Crown was. Because, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know, I was young. I didn't really know a lot. But then as the year started to go in, people were saying that, you know, you, could, you have a chance if you win. Color War and Desert War, you have a good chance of getting it, but also you might not. That happened to you when you were really young, right? So you, you probably were like, yeah. oh, this isn't so hard. I'll just win everything every year, right? <laughs> yeah. And then I got older <laughs> yeah. and then I realized that. I'm like, wow, that was really hard. Uh, so you were on Ireland, if I recall, right? And I think Mitch Lesser was the yes, coach. Yes, yeah, was. So one thing that I know you're really passionate about is the house game. Tell me what it's like being oh, yeah. the yearly game against Robin Hood 15 under. Tell me what it's like to be a camper watching the house game like tell me what that's 
like. Oh, it's it's really fun just cheer on your fellow campers and cheer on against a team that you know you've had a uh, rivalry with for many years in the past. It's just it's very energetic and fun just to cheer on yeah your fellow campers and stuff. How do the campers prepare for the game? We know what the players do. They practice for a week, like three times a day. But what do the campers do to prepare oh, yeah. for the house game? Well, obviously everyone like wears a certain color. So my, one year it might be blackout where everyone wears black or white, which is the opposite. And um, obviously for the nativity when they announce it, you obviously practice some chants when you when you do during the game and stuff. Do you remember like what's your favorite moment from the house game in your five years of seeing it? Oh, it's just it's just great when the final buzzer hits and your team wins. It's fun just to celebrate with them. And after they worked so hard and they accomplished and they won. Who's been like some of the best 1500 basketball players that you've seen in your five years of watching the house game? Well, I think uh, this year for the 2019, I think most of the players were like really good and stuff. It was really entertaining to watch them. But also in the past, I've seen um, Shaps, Sam Shapiro in 2015. He was a CIT, but I think he was a little younger. So he got to play in it. It was really entertaining just to see him play. And he dominated that game, I think. So it was entertaining to see him play. Yeah, I think we, we rated him as the best uh, basketball player in the 2010s, which was a tough yeah. decision. It was either him or Carmi, but I think Shaps had more um, success as a camper than Carmi did. So I think that was yeah. the differentiator. I'm assuming in the five years, we lost at least one time, right? Uh, yeah, I think um, 2018 we lost. And what was that like when we when we didn't win? Wasn't, I'm not sure if it was a close game or not, but it's still like, you know, you're having fun still cheering on the team even if you lose like you're proud of the team that works so hard and it's okay if they you know I think I think it was kind of close I'm not sure yeah I think the ones we've lost have been pretty close so I like to share this with my friends is that yeah. you know as a I'm 42 years old now like the one moment of the summer that I still get the chills over is when the 1500 team enters the rec hall to a crazy crazy crowd yeah and that like that that to me is the most electric the summer moment of the entire summer every year does that give you the chills also yeah of course it's 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 really cool just seeing them run out and you know have a great time and stuff so this year correct me if i'm wrong your brother was on the team right as a 14 year old yeah but i don't don't know how much he played but he played for like three minutes which is you know still a good amount of minutes for how old he was right were you proud of him like that's my brother (laughs) yeah yes yeah i was was... like my brother is playing in the house game this is so cool it was really cool seeing him and just play in the game and knowing that that's my brother who's playing in the game. Is that something that you think about a lot, like when it's your turn to like be on the fifteen hundred basketball team? Well, yeah, I don't, I don't think I'll be the best on the team because obviously I'm, I'm, I'm like not the best basketball player. But you know, I think just being you're, you're pretty good. I think just being on the team will just be fun, and even though like the practices are long and it's hard to do, I think it'll just be fun with people that I'm in Gottlieb with or. Yeah, and just playing basketball with them and, and having fun on this, on the team together. Who are some of the really good basketball players from your age group? Oh, okay. So we got um, Maddie Vogel, who's he's a really good athlete. And um, Spencer Parker is also good. Ross is yep. good. We got a couple of good players. Ross has good mid-range game. Yes. And, what, and Riesenberg, yes. Nathan Riesenberg is pretty good oh, too, yes. right? Oh, yes. He also is very good. Yeah, he's a very good player. But those guys are older than you. So you're real contemporary. You're the guys that you, when you're on 50 under, we're actually probably be with the guys in, that are currently in the team. Twos, like the Jacob Dancy's of yeah, the world, yeah. right? They're okay, also cool. Really, I was with Jacob Dancy on the color team, and he was really good in basketball. So, what is your opinion on the officiating during the house game? Do you think the refs do a good job? Yes, I do. Even though, <laughs> <laughs> even though they want their team to win, they still have to like make calls for the other for their team, which they do. And it's like a fair game, not just ooh, that's a foul. I'm not going to call it because it's on them, but ooh, that's a foul. I'm going to call it because I'm gonna, uh, like a rest of this game. So I think it's pretty fair, honestly. Well, I'm putting you on the spot. As, okay. as, as most people probably know, I am one of the, the refs. Yeah. And uh, in recent years, we've decided to ask Robin Hood to bring a ref just to ensure that it's even and that there's no bias. But I actually, and, and I've told, I tell the coaches this too, if anything, I favor the other team because I don't, well, the worst thing that could happen from my perspective is the other camp walking away thinking that, that I gave West End all the call. So, right. so in my brain, like that's go, and maybe it shouldn't. I should just see what I. But if anything, it's a disadvantage to have me as the ref. Yeah. Um, 
So one thing that I know about you, Brady, is that you led the lines during an extremely close color war for Song Night. You were on the Blue Heist. What was the score going into Song Night? Like, how much was the Blue Heist? I I think think they were losing, right? No, we were up by, like, 0.1, which is obviously not a lot. Did you feel a lot of pressure? Like, so you were in charge of the lines, meaning that every time it was the Blue Heist turn to sing, you had to, like, lead the team in in the correct formation. Was that nerve-wracking for you? Oh, yeah, a little. It's a lot of pressure when it's that close and you don't want to mess up the formation it's a lot of pressure but you know once you practice it a lot you get to know where to go and when to turn and it gets better when you practice more one thing about me is that i led the lines three times when i was a camper and i think yeah and i i feel like the coaches try to pick somebody who's smaller but who they trust (laughs) and is like really smart i i can only remember one time and uh it was 1989 adam redvicka who was a a friend of my brother's or is a friend of my brothers he led the lines as a gottlieber and he was like short but even it just seemed weird like why is a gottlieber leading the lines and i actually led the lines in a similar situation for the blue machine and i was so nervous yeah. And I actually messed up. You did. Um, oh. Yeah, I like I like did the pivot at the wrong point, oh. and it was a, it ended up being a four point color. But somehow it was able to fix my mistake like in the moment. Right. But yeah, it was very nerve wracking. Were you like relieved when it was over? Like, okay, man, my job's done now. Yeah, yeah. We didn't have as much formations. Like, obviously, you had the double shuffle for the alma mater, but there's like two just for our team. And once I was like done with those, it was really relieving, and it honestly just helped. Just knowing that you're done. You don't have to do another formation again. And what were some of the formations you guys had to oh, do? Um, one of them for the heist was like a diamond because we were like robbers and we were stealing diamonds. And uh, yeah. after the entrance, it was like a, a lock or safe, I should say. And it was like a lock in the middle and it was like a big square you to get out of so brady i'm gonna give you advice some advice when you're a color work coach in like six seven eight years whatever it ends up being okay, okay. one thing that i i have several pet peeves with with coaching during song night but right. the diamond formation the b for blue formation right. the judges aren't on a good year blimp they can't see anything right 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 <laughs> that's on the floor so i've always felt that that was kind of a silly thing to do right. and one of the formations that I thought was exceptional in my era was there was a team that like sang while they walked and that was really neat. Oh, really? Um, oh, yeah. Wow, that's cool. One of the other really cool ones I remember was on the Blue Timber in 2011, they took the benches off the sideline and they put them in the middle of the floor like they were trees. Oh, Isn't that really neat and clever? And they, they had the the kids on the team like chopping down the trees. That's that's real. That's a, yeah. That's clever and smart. Yeah, yeah I think so too. But uh, anyway, to repeat my points, the judges are not in a good year blank, right. they, blimp. They don't know if it's a diamond or a B or a W. It's kind of a silly exercise that, <laughs> that keeps going every year. So song night's over. It was point one going into it. Did you get a sense? Sometimes you have a sense like, oh man, I think they were better than us. Did you feel that way, or did you think that you guys were going to win? Well, like, obviously, I wanted my team to win, but, you know, I felt the other team had a better song night. That happened. But I think, honestly, with the the judges rated it, I think it was a little bit, but I think they edged us in a little bit of the singing and skit and stuff. Yeah, I agree. I think the judges were pretty dead on. One of the judges, though, had the skit being way closer than I thought it should have been. I thought the blue skit was not as good as the white skit. Am I right about that? Yeah, I think a little bit, yeah. So when they announced the final score and you lost by just a measly two points, (laughs) how did that make you feel? I mean, it's it's better than losing by 40 or 60 points. You know that you tried tried your best you the best you could in song night and all the sports and track and field and all that and check and swim my bed but yeah so you just know that you did everything you could but it's you lost by a little bit and you guys made a great yeah. comeback for our car weren't you down by a lot and came back so there's a lot to be proud oh, yeah, of right definitely. yeah okay brady is there anything else you want to talk about before we we no, wrap this up i think we covered all of it all right well thanks brady for doing the podcast with me i really appreciate oh, okay. it thank you all right, thanks a lot, Brady. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And for elective time, let's hear from Guy Stampour as he shares his theory on how Mike Stowawi's Cavs won the high senior tug of war in 1995. 
I have a very special guest today on the podcast, big athlete in the 90s, high senior captain of the Blue Riot, Guy Stampour from New York City. Guy, how are you? Hey, Ryan. It's great to talk to you. I'm well. How are you? Pretty good, thanks. I, I figured you'd be a good person to talk to because you're kind of in, you as well as a previous guest of ours, Jeremy Zucker, are in New York City during this crazy time. And I know you you work with the mayor in the mayor's office. Uh, I believe you're a lawyer, correct? Yeah, I'm senior counsel in the mayor's office. Uh, and I'm glad that to hear you had another New York guest prior, New York represent in the house. <laughs> yeah, we got in a lot of camp New Yorkers. What has that been like being the lead counsel during this crazy time? So my office, it's an interesting time. I'm in the uh, mayor's office of criminal justice. So there's a lot of, um, of reform that's going on. Um, an attempt to uh, reduce jail population. and uh, But, you know, typical roles, um, everyone's sort of an all-hands-on-deck mentality um, of helping out, you know, very uh, brings me back to my West End House camp days of um, doing the bunk chores, you know, like I, which I love <laughs> yeah. doing so much, you know, like sweeping the floor. But, but you know, it, it, it's an interesting time. I feel, you know, I... I um, if it wasn't evident when I was a camper, I love New York, uh, you know, from when I played my my Let's Go New York, Nobody Beats the Whiz songs in the morning to like, you know, parading around about how good the Yankees were, um, which I could do at the time because those were glory days pre, you know, Yankees going in the hole and, and all the New England sports rise into fame. Uh, but it's really it's, it's a great time, you know, because I, I love New York so much. So I feel lucky to be able to work for the city I love during these uh, really uncertain and strange times. And were you doing a similar position when Bloomberg was mayor? No. So I was um, prior to, to joining the, the mayor's office, I was um, I started a, a nonprofit um, representing undocumented youth, uh, refugee, most, mostly refugee kids. I spent about 10 years doing that, uh, growing an organization, a nonprofit organization called Safe Passage here in New York. And I'm assuming that still exists? Yeah, it still exists. It was myself and a law professor initially um, um, based here in New York, right around the corner from the immigration courts. Um, and now it's uh, about 40 people uh, legal team, I think of about 25. Yeah, still, it's it's uh, it's about a three or f- I think it's a three and a half million dollar organization um, serving wow. a, th- a thousand, um, over a thousand refugee kids a year um, with legal services and social services. Just recently, I actually um, made the move um, into into government. So I'm uh, and now I'm I'm in the mayor's office. Wow, that's admirable. Pretty impressive. Um, and your your mom, if I recall, was was a lawyer as well, right? Yeah, both my folks are actually. Okay. Yeah, both. Um, my dad is a criminal defense lawyer, and um, my mom is the director of the of the New York Civil Liberties Union. So I actually was sure I wasn't going to go that route, and I was going to you know play soccer or or do something where I didn't have to be behind a desk. Like it was it was um, that was that was my you know, my plan as a 11 year old at, at West End House Camp in July, or actually probably in, in, the, yeah, in the beginning of July, because I could never stay for, for more than four or five weeks with the exception of, you know, that special color war year. But, but alas, yeah, I followed, I followed the, the family footsteps. So speak, since you mentioned soccer, I want to ask a few questions about that, because not to, not to uh, boost your ego a little bit, I, I think you're the best soccer player I've ever, ever, I've ever seen at camp, although we have a camper right now who is outstanding. And I was wondering, for those of you who know, Guy played in college for Columbia University. I believe you were a captain there, weren't you? Yeah, I was. You know, in this age of like specialization camps where, you know, kids feel like if they're a soccer player, if they're a basketball player, then they need to go all in on that and do that all summer. You know, you didn't do that in the mid '90s, and I was curious why you didn't do that. Well, thank you for saying that. That's uh, I'm sure there. I'm curious to see the the current soccer player, and uh, I'd love to make it up for to see like a U13 tournament or something, man. It's just like it's 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 flagged on my on a on a post-it on my desk. I just need to like get someone to take care of my three-year-old. But I think you know. To me, and and growing up, it, it was it was, and I and this was reinforced at West End. Like it was always about having fun. Sports weren't about like being the best or necessarily, you know, always winning. Um, though, like you know, if you didn't, if for me that you know that sort of once you step on the field, that mentality changed. Um, but it was really like you know about as a kid, just like developing skills. And so, you know, playing baseball, basketball, football, soccer, tennis, um, not golf, because I don't consider that a sport. Um, (laughs) But, you know, um, like, you know, even like yard, you know, playing tag, like in the schoolyard, like it was all it was all fun. And, and, you know, and, and so building different skills, I sort of, I think, naturally gravitated to 
um, a variety of sports. And, you know, I think my parents, they also, you know, like they they were more about like the team, the team game. And then my competitive drive sort of came through. And so wanting to be, you know, try to be one of the better players on the field was um, was always uh, always sort of pushed me. And then and, you know, in school, like, you know, I think I think now kids specialize and I coached right. a soccer. I coached a team here um, prior to joining uh, the mayor's office. Um, a boys soccer team that actually won the national championship and had some really talented players as one kid who's playing abroad in England, you know, signed a professional contract um, with a team that's about to hopefully be promoted. Um, and, 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 you know, almost 90% of the kids have played in college, many of them division one. And, you know, there's this like focus on specializing and like um, being, you know, this like driving in skills sort of like, you know, with like with golf, like this one swing. And to me, like developing the hand-eye coordination, foot coordination in a variety of sports was not only like it was it was fun. And it was like having different teammates, like not only soccer players and not only basketball players, but like baseball players. And, you know, uh, as well, it was all about um, like finding how the skills overlap. And also it was always a break for me. Like sports was like, you know, my outlet. So, you know, granted, I wanted to play sports as much as I could. But I think, you know, I think when I see kids specialize, I sort of I get a little, you know, hesitant to like, oh, there's a 10 year old like kicking the soccer ball against the wall all day long. My sense is they're going to they're going to burn out. You know, like you look at Akeem Olajuwon, I remember him, you know, and and he he played soccer growing up and he had that incredible foot, you know, hand foot coordination. And and like he, you know, he he always credited, you know, Kobe Bryant talked about it, too, growing up. Um, And I think you develop a lot of different skills from playing a lot of different sports. And I hope I hope there's actually, you know, like a move back to that. Um, and West End, for me, at like West End, I could go play tetherball, like right next to the <laughs> gym. And I felt like I could play that for like an hour and then go do leagues and, you know, with you as my coach and play, you know, um, a soccer game. And then in the evening, I was going to get to go do capture the flag, you know, and like I felt like it all it all was developing my athletic skills. I felt like West End was like I could I could go to, to camp and like I think. You know, I got to do all the different sports from like tetherball to tennis to baseball to basketball to softball to soccer. And it was all just um, along with taking uh, uh, out the fact that the piece that that there were so many, you know, like Boston fans that I had to, <laughs> you know, uh, go to go to bat with that little thing aside. It was just like such a such a treat, such a luxury for me. And really, when I when I look back on it and talk about it with Aaron um, you know, with Rude Dog or with Evan or with Brian or um, the Free Evan Madden Peister and Brian Chamberlain, right? Brian Cartwright. Cartwright, excuse me. Oh, my bad. Yeah, yeah Brian Cartwright and, you know, who are all still friends of mine. Um, we're all jealous of like the extended network of West End in, in and around Boston. Like for us, we got like the New Yorkers. And, but for us, it was just like, you know, this amazing um, opportunity to not only get out to get out of New York City, but like be around competitive, um, you know, other competitive athletes and and um, learn new lingo like peebs. I didn't know what peebs were. <laughs> were um, you know, um, it was just such, when we talk about it, it's such a highlight of of our of well, you know, really one of the best times that we had as kids. Um, and I look back on it so fondly with a three year old. I, I, I talk to my wife sometimes about about what I would like him to do in the summers. And I, all my mind just goes right to West End House Camp. What's your son's name? My son's Nico. Nico. Oh, my goodness. We have a Nico at camp that's from New York City. With a K or with a C? It's with a C. Yeah, that's like us. Wow. Well, you know, I think you underestimate. We have a huge New York population of West Enders, not just your crew, like like a, like people that were born and raised in New York. But we have like transplants like Dave Gorin lives there and we have a ton of our former counselors. I'm wondering if we should start a New York City like West End group that meets like once or twice a year. I think that'd be a great idea. I would be I'll, I'll take on like co-chair that I would love that. That would be so cool. And I, that would just be such a treat for me. Um, and, I'll, you know, sporadically there, like I'll get texts from people who come into the city. But that would be amazing, Ryan. I would I would be so on board with that. Actually, Ryan, I'm not sure if you know this, but uh, Bill Margolin's uh, nephew, Caleb Hurst-Hiller, I think it's his nephew, um, is, is a dear friend of mine and a family friend. And he went to camp for, I think, 10 days or two weeks. He got uh, homesick super fast at age like eight or nine. But he came yeah. home to New York. He lived on 110th Street in Riverside. And he told his best friend, Aaron Rudenstein, about camp. Aaron 
um, went to camp the next summer and had the time of his life. He told my parents about it. I went, had the time of my life. That's how I heard about camp because Caleb got homesick and ended up going home, but told Aaron about it. And then he told you know my folks about it <laughs> and we wound up. And at the time there was like a smaller New York contingent. So I'm so happy to hear that it's expanded and there's like a firm you know, uh, a New York that New York represents. Um, and it was awesome to listen to the last podcast uh, to hear that New York is still in the house. There was a, there was another smaller crew at the time. It was like a Brooklyn crew of Jed and Isaac, I think. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who, who, you know, this, and there were like maybe 15 or 20 of us. Um, but now like to hear that there, you know, there's, there's still a nice crew um, um, representing. I feel bad for them because, you know, now New York sports are in such a tough spot. And when I was there, we could talk 1918, you know, <laughs> I could wear my Yankees hat, though, you know, like Izzy or, or you know, or Mike Love or Knox or so Joey or, or Ken or Dave or, you know, someone would take it off, my hat off and throw it. But, you know, I, I felt like, um, you know, I could I could chest out, you know, talk Yankees, Knicks and rain in the 90s. Now, you know, I feel bad for the campers who are like, you know, what are we going to talk? None of those teams. No, yeah, those New York those New York teams are just non-threats to us right now. We're on the top of the mountain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll stay away from that. I, I no comment. Say, <laughs> uh, I would say the New York crew, which we, I mean, you guys were very, very, like, popular, like, good dudes, good athletes, just nice kids. I would say that that it, yeah, the best ratio of like nice kids from the same area of any town. Really, I can remember like it was just like a murderer's row. See, there's my New York yeah, I love it. of like just awesome kids from the same area. It was it was really a special time. Kind of pivot. So you were a big 15 under basketball player, and you mentioned earlier that I was actually a league coach at one point, and also 15 under basketball coach. N- not about me, but can you describe the experience of being on the 15 under basketball team? And what you remember about that? Yeah, man, I remember. I think Ryan, were you and Dancy the coaches together? Correct. Yeah. One year, yes. In nine, yes. The year, one year we were amazing, and, and Dancy now with the coach. The year before, we did, were not amazing. It was really just you and Andre Walker, and Robin had the best team they've ever had. So you guys weren't there the first two weeks, so we got blasted in the house game. Like I'm not joking. The score was 81 to 27. It's like a memory. It's like embedded <laughs> in my brain. And then we played them a game again two weeks later, and we had you and Andre, who were both outstanding players, and we only lost by four points. But then the following summer, we had you and Mike Gordon and Aaron Englander and uh, Aaron Kesner and Danny Schechter, and we had, like, Jason Cublin and off the bench Walsh, with, like, Kevin yeah. Walsh, Danny Barr. That was just a squad. I remember getting to camp the year before we, we had that, that juggernaut squad. And hearing like, you know, we got smoked by what, 50 points and just being like, you know, uh, and then coming back and, and, you know, I'm not, I'm not a good loser. Never have been Ryan, as you can probably remember, but like, you know, losing <laughs> by four, even it felt better, but you know, it still pissed me off. I think that was some fuel for the, for, for the following year, T- top to bottom. I feel like it was a juggernaut with you and and uh, it was Steve Dancy, I think, who was the, was the coach. You and Correct. Steve, though, and Jeff was an awesome soccer player, if I remember. And then there was a younger younger Correct. brother too. Greg, Greg, Greg was Greg great too. Was a great soccer player. And I think I think uh, Jeff played in uh, in college, played soccer in college. He did for Colby uh, for Colby yeah. College. Um, but I remember, you know, Ryan. I remember okay. that that team being loaded for a couple of reasons. One, you know, I just vividly remember like the tournament at Robin Hood, and like you know being. It just being such an awesome experience and like running the table, you know, and then I think we went out for like, you know, went out for pizza and also for um, like cold. I remember this cold ice Coca-Cola. I never drank soda, but I remember it vividly. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and, and but I, I remember the team being stacked with the names that you, you know, uh, mentioned with Aaron and Gordo um, and Kessner. And I remember it being a loaded team in part because of that tournament and then in part because of my color war experience when all of those guys were on the other team. And (laughs) I was like, I remember the, so I only got to go to that. I had that one color war experience because my parents would make me go um, on vacation with them. Talk about like privilege, right? No, they would make me go on vacation with them after camp. And it was such a letdown. I was like, I got to leave camp. I can only go for five weeks. Like, come on. But this, but, but senior year, I remember they let me stay my Gottlieb year. Um, they let me stay for color war and wow, it was such a treat, but, but I vividly remember um, the, the teams and when they were announced and I looked at my team and I was like, all right, all right, 
you know, look, and, and it was less about my team and being disappointed in my team and more looking across the aisle and be like, wow, that squad is loaded. Yeah, they were. Yeah. So can I tell you from a coach's perspective? So I was a coach on the white SWAT team and you were a high senior captain for the blue riot. And, and the tradition is the, there's a draft and the teams are laid out and you draft and you could draft any division first. And our team won the coin flip. And we looked at the divisions like, Oh my God, the white, what ended up being the white high seniors are going to go six. Oh, there's no, the only chance that the blue, the other side is going to have is soccer because they have Gee and Evan. But even then, we still had like six other good players. Uh, it was like the biggest slam dunk. So we drafted them first. My brother Eric ran the color war, and Eric and I are really crazy sports guys. I was like, Eric, you're way off on this one. I don't know what you were thinking. And Eric was so cocky about how good you were. He was like, they, don't don't worry about it. Gee's on the other side. He'll win at least two or three games. I'm like... Dude, you're wrong. And boy, was he right. You guys ended up winning four games. You lost football, which was the game I coached. We had the most stacked football <laughs> team of all time. So there's nothing you could have done about that. But the other games, soccer, we you guys won. And then you just pulled upsets everywhere. It was it was maddening because we you guys had all the little skinny guys. And we had all the jacked, like the LeBron James size athletes. I still don't know I, how it happened. Ryan, to me, that, that looking across at their... At, the, at at your uh, high senior team, um, it was like, what are we gonna win? And and <laughs> and I remember like in the beginning thinking, football? Are you kidding me? Like Andre, just like get out of the way. And then you look at the rest of the, you know, like but there was a Grandy, there was Andre, there was Aaron, there was Gordo. Yeah, it was loaded. And um, I, I actually think to your point, in addition to going four two. I think we won, you know, like field day, like track and field day. I think we also won the tugs. The tugs is the greatest upset in the history of camp that I've seen, <laughs> without a doubt. I, it makes no sense. Everybody, so those of you who don't know Gee, Gee, how tall were you like in Gali? Probably like I'm five, like five, ten, five, I'm five, five, ten, and like soaking wet, 110 pounds. You weighed like yeah, so- 75 pounds. But in Gali, you were like... Oh, and got yeah, barely. Maybe, maybe Santa Santa could curl me, you know, easily in one arm. And you were one of the bigger guys. They, they had a bunch of little guys, and you get up the tugs. It was like this is going to be a joke, and and you guys just creamed us. I don't understand. Stowawi was the only kid on your team with any kind of size, and yet Jeremy Shea was tall, but he was super I skinny think too. Stowawi's calf muscles just like lodged <laughs> in the ground. There must be imprints outside of, you know, like next to the basketball court of hit of like just lodged, you know, there's no explanation because soaking wet, we like together weighed 250 pounds, you know, <laughs> then plus Stowawi, whatever Stowawi weighed. Now I have to say those, you know, I think it was Shea and Stowawi afterwards were like as fired, fired up as I've ever seen, you know, they're both sort of pretty quiet, quieter kids, um, if I, you know, from remember and i remember looking across at the grandy and andre and they were like just as heated as could be and, and angoff andy home. angoff and aaron kesner i mean andy angoff was gigantic he was the biggest kid in the whole well, it's, it's, as they say you know it's not in the muscles like I, you know i remember santa Suazo was always lifting on the stage and i you know think to myself what is he doing his biceps are big enough you know <laughs> <laughs> oh he'll pretty. love that you said that <laughs> okay, do you have a favorite story at camp just like something that really like give, makes you smile if you think about it a favorite story i have so many favorite stories ryan but but and there are a couple that you know that that u13 soccer tournament um when i think i was 11 10 or 11 and we 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 went over there was a high it was hot um, and we, I think we played six, five or six games. We ended up winning. And I vividly remember just, you know, it wasn't like a goal, a, a, a winning goal, or um, it was more like celebrating after we had won with everyone. I think I was 11 years old and it was, I had played in Italy previously with my, with my team and we'd won a, a tournament there, um, a pretty imp- you know, important tournament there. And I had had, you know, some you know, as a kid, some um, important like victories um, with teams, like for every kid, you know, any victory is, is, is huge. But I vividly remember afterwards, um, just like celebrating, jumping up and down. Like, I think there was an outside outdoor basketball court right near the soccer field. And I remember yep. spilling yep. over onto that court, like with everybody. And, you know, in the same, I think we, we like maybe cut our Western House t-shirts a little bit at the arms. And like they're <laughs> sopping and we hadn't changed them. They're like, you know, covered in the day. And it just, you know, but who who knew? It was like, you know, it was just pure bliss, man. And we were, I remember then, um, I, I think we went out to either a Chinese food place or, or 
um, nearby Robin Hood and have like a celebratory meal. And it was just like the whole experience, man, that combined. So that would be like just a, you know, w- when we won that U13 tournament that, um, and then, you know, cake and milk, man, I used to love running <laughs> down from like the, from the dorm that passed the water fountain. I vividly remember down the steps, you know, like the four steps, I think the threes and four steps were steeper. So it took me longer than with the twos to get down <laughs> and, you know, got, we've had an easy access, but you had to run around buildings. And I just remember like going down there and, and having cake and milk and um, being with other campers. So, you know, the U13 game, cake and milk. And then just, I have to say, like, you know, that color war experience was priceless for me. It was like, I, I, don't, I, I, I can't remember whether it was six days or how, how long it was, it's five. five days, and you guys won by six points, and that was 1995. That was the closest color war. In 88, it was a four-point war, but that's, that was an unbelievably close color war and a great color war. I just remember being on, like, edge for the whole thing down to song night, like, you know, people yep. counting points and tallying, and it just stands out as, you know, one of the most awesome um um, weeks of my life and, and, and something that when I think about, you know, my son, I think about who knows if he'll be an athlete, an artist, uh, you know, who knows what he'll, what he'll, I hope he, he takes interest in something and, and dedicates himself, you know, and just loves it and gets, and is passionate about it, um, whatever it is. And I hope he goes to West End House Camp. But, you know, I also hope that he has that same or something similar, you know, where it's just, it sticks out in his mind as, and, you know, as to, and, and sometimes it's trouble, t- difficult to put your finger on what about it it was. But, you know, as a 38 as a year old now and parent, I think like, you know, the camaraderie, the competitiveness, the, um, of course, you know, cake and milk at the end, um, the, the, you know, just the ongoing competition and outdoor time. It was just such a, such an awesome time in my life and one that, um, you know, I even get emotional thinking about it now. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. And like, you know, we talked a lot, like one, in my opinion, one, one of the things that makes our camp special that I talk about a lot is two things. One is the diversity. I mean, we have kids from all over the country, kids, you know, if kids from, you know, wealthier backgrounds, not so wealthy backgrounds and our camp is small. Everyone literally knows everybody. Like when you and I were texting before this podcast, we were bringing up and we, we both knew exactly who we were talking about. Like there's no strangers at our camp, and I'm just wondering if you found that to be true, and and was that is that unique? Even being from New York City, is that, do you think that's a unique experience that other camps probably oh, don't it's have? Totally unique, and it's it's a special thing, man. It's a, it's why the spirit of the house, you know, will never die. It's why, um, you know, I had never heard. I'm I, I'm born on 93rd Street on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. Um, uh, previously lived, you know, I lived for a little bit in Harlem. Um, but as a kid, I spent a lot of time on the Upper West Side. I had never heard, you know, I had been to Brookline where my cousins live. I'd been to Newton. I'd never been to Dorchester or Roxbury. I'd never heard of them. Um, there, you know, the diversity of the camp, that it wasn't only kids from certain neighborhoods similar to the Upper West Side. It was like, you know, it just added, it, it didn't even, and, and it didn't even register as a kid. It was just like, it was like, we have, there are different kids from different backgrounds here, all doing, you know, what kids should be doing, eating cake and milk, playing sports, being outside, learning to <laughs> swim. I can remember I was not the best swimmer. I, I could, I could stay afloat, but, um, you know, like, you know, learning all these things and being kids and it truly makes West End unique. And I'm so glad to hear that it's still um, the same place. I mean, that that spirit to me um, and and the, and and the diversity and um, and the, the, the grounds also, you know, it's it, it makes it a unique place and one that, I, you know, I have a lot of friends who went to camp and it seemed to be a somewhat, you know, homogenous experience for them, for lack of, you know, I don't have a better word, but it, it was, it certainly was, you know, everyone swears by their, by their camp experience. But when I really dig in, you know, that element um, of having kids from all across, even if everybody rooted for the Boston Red Sox, sorry, not everybody, if like 70% <laughs> rooted for the Boston Red Sox. I remember, I remember there were international campers and I remember, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm not great with names, but I remember 
Um, they all, that one reason is because they all happen to be pretty good in soccer. And I love that because, you know, they grew up playing soccer. It was, you had, I had, I had never heard of, of a lot of the towns and cities that many of the campers came from. And to me, that was a, another added piece of the experience. It wasn't only sports. It was having conversations with people from different walks of life and different neighborhoods and, you know, a different family dynamics and special place, man. I can't say it enough, Ryan. It really is. I, I agree. Well put. Did you have a favorite activity? Obviously, you were big in the sports, but do you have a favorite like night activity or some random silly thing, thing that was done at camp? <laughs> That you just you just oh, got a man. kick out of. I um. I, so Ryan, I loved Gold Rush. I loved uh, what was a casino night, Monte Carlo night. Monte Carlo and you night. know what? I'm so I do not gamble. I'm such a prude when it comes to anything like you know related to. I don't play poker. I don't play. I don't play any of those games. But I love Monte Carlo night. I love Gold Rush. Capture the flag, man, Ryan. It was the days. Like, and I think we used a frisbee. And and like correct. I, I remember getting to camp being like that's cheating because you can throw it. Like you got to get your get over the line. You know, the the leagues. Quite frankly, like I looked forward to leagues so much, man. Like just the ongoing season, playing so, you know baseball, um, playing basketball, um, football, soccer. I there were even activities like I remember archery. Like I did. I just remember like going into that corner down next to the tennis court. And like learning how to shoot an arrow. I thought that was cool. I always made fun of like, you know, Robin. I always, I always thought anybody at Robin and all they did was archery all day long. <laughs> uh, archery and ponies. Like that's like, that's like the West End propaganda. All Robin does well, is they, archery well, and they, ponies. They, you know, I can say that as athletes, that was, that seemed true. You know, like when they would stay with the exception <laughs> of that one basketball team. Yeah, they had a squad one year. They, I can't um, deny them that. So those are those, like, those are the activities that really stick out. Yep. There was also, Ryan, there was another activity, um, counselor in the counselor ring, which I, I thought was so much fun. Um, I actually remember as a CIT, I went back for one year and I, it was like, um, like oh, counselor, counselor hunt counselor was hunt. fun too. Wow. I hadn't thought about that, man. That was, oh, that was fun too. Um, no, it was prize and consequence. Oh, prize. Oh, the king. Was, oh, you were a great king. Oh, king Gee was I legendary. I so badly about King Gee. <laughs> <laughs> You delivered a very, uh, a very large amount of consequences, probably above the typical 50-50 ratio. I would say you were more like a 75-25. You know, I'm such a half-full kind of guy, but that's the, New York, that's the New York in me, man. You know? <laughs> Maybe it was because uh, the campers are mostly Boston. Maybe that was uh, King Gee from New York. Yeah, it was, all, to get it a was a lot of Charles Oakley that night. <laughs> when you were in Gottlieb, Gee, you had David Gorin as your senior counselor, very popular old-timer. I was wondering if you have any special memories of Dave Gorn being your senior counselor. Dave Gorn, I remember he was so hairy. And, <laughs> <laughs> he, except and, on his head. That's except uh, yeah. on his head. I was you, you took my line. He he was so hairy oh, except that big circle on his head, man. <laughs> he he was going ball that you know. I remember he he coached one of the basketball teams too one year I think. And yeah, he was you know he had a shiny spot. He would apply the sunscreen. I remember when he was like seventeen years old. But I, I in all seriousness, you know, Dave was such a special guy, man. He and Santa, um, you know, Dave. Dave was like I remember um, Aaron, um, who everybody called Rude Dog. Um, you know, Aaron and I would like come back to New York and talk about Goran so fondly. And and Jay Go, Jay Gorin, Dave's younger brother, and Aaron were in Gottlieb together. Quite honestly, Ryan, Dave, who went to University of Michigan, I remember. I I know, you know he gave me one of his T-shirts that, like, you know, his he gave to me like when I left. I, but but more importantly, like I remember, you know, wearing that T-shirt around because like it made me think it was like you know it made me think of camp, fun the the the, the time at camp. Um, and but Dave was like. Uh, I remember coming back to New York and like trying to explain, you know, Gorin to to friends or to even like, you know, other relatives and then being like, all right, you're going to stop talking about this guy already. <laughs> but like, you know, to that point, it's, it, it, was, it was so in line with, you know, the quality of counselor, you know, like there were many Daves. Like to me, Dave was so special, but, you know, there were many Daves for so many kids and that mentorship really um, is so memorable to me and so important because I'm, I'm such a big believer in the impact of coaches and teachers. Um, Ryan, I know you, you teach as well and, and like on kids' lives. And my wife is a teacher and my sister is a teacher. The impact of coaches and, and, and counselors and teachers on kids is uh, so under, um, forget under um, 
uh, paid, but underestimated. Um, it is all those things. And, you know, having examples and having role models, like literally being able to, you know, be goofy with Gorin, but then also to like stay in touch with him and learn about, you know, his experience at University of Michigan and, to, you know, be mentored through some challenging, you know, teenage years can always be difficult for some. And, and for, you know, for me, I actually think they were, they were kind of fun, like looking back on it. Maybe that's because I think of West End House and I smile. But, you know, just the, the mentorship that that and I keep going back to that word because, you know, looking back on it, um, that's what Dave was to me. And I know Aaron um, would say the same thing about about Dave, about Mike Senesuaso, about about your brother, um, Eric. Um, I don't think your, Brett was his counselor. I think Eric was, and he had such a like a fondness um, towards towards Eric. And you know, it's it's um and thinking about you, like you know, think like it's such a privilege and lucky experience for kids to get to go to this special place, man. If I could go back and do, you know, I would happily, man. I I still haven't gotten up to old timers week, and it's it that's on me. But I will, and um, but it you know, it, and it will be fun. But there'll never be those days of like you know playing U ten basketball, playing U thirteen soccer, running down to for cake and milk, playing tetherball for hours, and um, you know, pretending to to you know sleeping in past the second bell, sort of moseying on down to line up. They're just like these are all special things that you know thinking about now i would pay you know I would, there's no amount of money i would you know i'd pay so much to just be able to do one of them mm-hmm. um forget all forget all of them um during the summer yeah so one thing that we talked about uh you and i texted about was that uh, i had a group mike gordon myself and oh who was the third one i can't think there was there was a panel that decided the best athletes color athletes of the of the 90s and your name came up frequently and, and we decided you were the best soccer and underratedly you were the best tennis player in the 90s that's what our committee determined and then we came down to the best athlete in the 90s and it was it came down to you and kevin mahoney and there was a spirited debate about it and as as a resident camp historian i like to throw out comps so people can understand like what we're talking about and i think our committee decided that you would definitely were the most skilled athlete that i can ever remember at camp but i think kevin mahoney was just it was just such a physical presence that we gave him the nod but before i give you i ask your thoughts on that I have a I have a comp for you, and I, and I want to I want to get your thoughts on this. I was thinking about this before we we started this conversation. I I think you're like the Steve Nash of Weston House Camp. You know, just incredibly <laughs> skilled basketball player, incredibly skilled soccer player. But you weren't like a small guy, but you weren't the biggest guy either. You weren't like physically imposing, but just had all the hand-eye coordination skills. What do you think about that comparison? Hey, man, I'll take it, and I'll uh, lick my fingers when I shoot my free throws. Steve Nash is a, is a hero of mine. So any, really, I didn't know I mean, that. Every, Oh, anytime, he, like off the court, the guy, I don't know if I, I remember, you know, I followed Steve Nash closely and he would off the court, you know, he was like, you know, reading books on the bus. He was like, you know, a well-rounded guy. His father played pro- um, professional soccer. Um, I think he was, um, he's Canadian, um, um, but he's such an interesting guy. So even if you come, come on, man, I mean, you want to talk Kevin, like Kevin, I, I, Mahoney, I don't know if you, if you're around, but like, if you want to play one-on-one, <laughs> You want to, <laughs> Kevin, you, I would never, so Kevin was like sick. And I remember he was two years older than me, uh, I think. And I like just looked up to him so immensely. Like uh, he could do, he could do anything on the, on the field. And his like drive to win was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. I loved it. And he, his competitive spirit was insane. And like basketball, baseball, football, like you name the sport, he could do it. Like throw a ball near him, he would catch it. Or I'll, I'll, I'll carry Kevin's bags anywhere. Um, <laughs> Monahan's bags, I don't know, man. His, you know, he would. Monahan was like his, like his enforcer. I remember he could play <laughs> football too. Brookline, I think. Brookline in the house. Um, right. His brother. His brother. They're, Nick, they're all right? firefighters. Well, not not Dave Monahan, but the other Mon. Hands are all and Kevin Mahoney are firefighters in Brookline. That makes me feel good. That makes me feel comforted because if there is a fire anywhere near Brookline, <laughs> it, they, those guys will get you out. Like for that, that's what you know. When I think about firefighters, there that should be a requirement. You, there should be like a Monaghan Mahoney test. <laughs> like, ho, like those guys, you know. I joke. I, I joke about Monaghan as the enforcer. He was a good athlete too. Oh, I mean, Kevin. Yep. Kevin, Kevin um, was was you know smooth and creative and. And um, and had, you know, like next level 
um, ability. Um, and I actually think he went to Brookline Heights. I think he played basketball there because my cousin who went to Brookline Heights was telling me about him. The debate, the debate about if I, if I will, if I'm anywhere near like it, the conversation of um, of one of the better athletes at West End House Camp, I will take that. I'll take that with 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 a bowl of Captain Crunch and Rice Krispies <laughs> and you know breakfast plus you know a side of cake and milk if I can push my luck. I I, I will say Ryan that a lot of the the having coached um, a, a bit my you know, a little bit myself you know having a lot of credit I give a lot of credit to what West End House did for me in terms of just making um, sports fun. Like it was it, you know yes there you know the, the competition. Um, when you put kids on a field, it sort of, it, it, it naturally happens, but, um, the space to like, you know, and the, and the counselors sort of support of that and the activities, you know, it really gave me like a, a, a fun and safe place to like, just sort of try to get creative and develop some of those, um, your words, Steve Nash skills. I mean, in, co- in college, my, um, my, the guy who was co-captain with me on the team and, and still one of my best friends, he only played soccer growing up. Um, he was an incredible, you know, he's all American. He's like an incredible career. But he always said, like, you know, when the season ended, he'd be like, you'd go in the gym and shoot hoops and then try to play, you know, baseball. I tried to, you know, you were like, you're talking about walking onto the baseball team and then go play tennis. You know, West End, you know, plus like this, my, my, my schoolyards, you know, as a kid, my schoolyard activities plus West End House were the opportunities for me to work on those skills. And uh, so props to like leagues and props to Color War and props to you know, the, all the, the Western house activities and all the other campers too, man, who like I build bonds with that, that, um, that still give me goosebumps thinking about. Um, and, and Ryan, I have to say, if, if there's a way to set up like a, a West End house, New York group chapter, or if, you know, count me in. Yeah. Would, I'm going to, um, I'm going to put Dave Gorn in charge of that. And, and he, Jason Gorn lives in New Jersey. You got Dean Goldberg, who is before your time. We got a, we got a huge New York crew. That we're just not we're not tapping into, and I feel like we need to do that. Um, that would be that would be sweet, man. So, Key, one of my favorite stories about you, and one we've talked about, and it's it just it's just hysterical, is when you were at Columbia, a group of us Boston guys it was like Jeff Dancy, myself, Danny Walsh, Steve Dancy, and I think there was one other person, maybe Mike Gordon or something. We decided we were looking at your soccer schedule, and we saw Columbia was playing at Brown University, and we're like, we're gonna go watch. We're going to surprise Guy and show up. We didn't even tell you. I don't think we were going to show up. And we show up, and I am the king of putting my foot in the mouth, uh, foot in my mouth, as you, as you may know. And I had this <laughs> idea. I was going to make a sign to make fun of you. It was like an inside joke about something that happened at camp. And I put it on the sign. I'm like, and Guy will see the sign, and that'll, he'll know we're there. He'll know that's a camp thing. And no one else will know. His teammates won't even know what it's about. And it'll be fine. So I make this sign. It's just a total inside joke. We're all dying laughing. And we make eye contact with you like during warm-ups. And you look up and you're just like so embarrassed. And your teammates, I guess, knew uh, knew about the joke too. And they started laughing. And it was really kind of a fun thing. And the game gets going and so, a middle-aged woman walks up to me and taps me, <laughs> taps me on the shoulder. And she says, how do you know about that? And I'm like, oh, um... Oh, you know, Guy and I, you know, we went to camp together. So, yeah. No. And she's like, oh, hi, I'm Mrs. Stamport. <laughs> it was like, oh, Because oh. <laughs> uh, it wasn't the flatter- most flattering sign uh, ever. So it, it was super embarrassing. But And I thought your mom was going to get really I – didn't, I didn't know your mom. So she seems like a very, like, even-keeled person. But I thought I was going to get reamed. She seemed to think it was hysterical. So I – what about that story from your point of view? Do you remember that? Ryan, she still tells that story <laughs> to this day, and she loves it as much as anybody. Like, if she could have come up with the idea for that sign, oh, my gosh, she would have, like, I remember, like, we were we were playing Brown, and Brown was always, um, it was uh, oftentimes it was us and Brown battling for the title, and it was an important game. And, like, it was just, when I looked up and saw you guys, and then, like, squinted to see the sign i could see what it said on the sign it was like it made me it transplanted me back to west end house man i was like 
Oh my God, this, this is the greatest thing in the world. Like I was nervous. I mean, I vividly remember like, you know, and, and my teammates, cause they all knew, like, they all knew the joke too. So they're all like my, all my college team, you know, teammates are like, you know, coming over, ah, like, you know, like it, totally all in good fun. And, and, you know, whenever I see any heckling, not even heckling, any sign at a, at a professional or college sporting event, I think of that, like when I see the big fa- the faces, you know, like the big heads, yeah. um, like bodies, you know, or like the stick figures that are held up. I think of your ingenious sign. And uh, hey, man, that's like a, just one of the fondest. That's <laughs> props, man. Seriously, when when my mom entered, some people, you know, she's just because of her work, like they, they sort of don't realize she's got a great sense of humor. And she like she still talks about that with my pops. Um, <laughs> And I'm convinced that, like, you know, when my son starts playing, they're plotting something. You know, we'll see what we'll see what his genes are like. So we'll see, you know, there's room to make a sign like that. But, oh, that was that was funny, man. Props to you. Props. And, and that was just such a. Yeah. So I, we're teasing. We're teasing out the story. Let's just say Guy had a very embarrassing situation that happened to him and we called attention to it. We can leave it at that. If you want more of the story, that's like an old timers week. We can tell you the whole version of the story. Is that fair to say? That's fair to say. I'll happily, you know, if anyone wants to get my number from Ryan to then call me up. All right. Well, Gee, thank you so much for agreeing to do this. It was great talking. Hopefully uh, one of these years we'll get to see you all during Old Timers Week. Do you think you can make that happen at some point? I would love to make that happen. Is uh, That would be a treat, man. That would be a treat. I know the Handels have gone up. I think the Freezes have gone up. Well, the Freezes come um, up every year. They're, they're staples. I got I to gotta do that. Is there a New York Old Timers bunk or it's mixed up? No, it's by age group. So you'd probably be you'd probably be my crew actually, because um, my group, my, our group for old timers week is like Gottlieb ninety two, up to Gottlieb like ninety six, and your Gottlieb ninety five. So you'd be in my crew, which is three A, three A for old timers week. Steep stairs, right? <laughs> yep. Not stairs. Steep, like, you know, 12 or 15 stairs, water fountain in the middle. A very erratic yeah. water fountain. That water fountain, you never, I mean, you put your mouth there and drink some water, end up on your face, all over your hair. But that's pressure. Not the, that's not the case anymore. There was anymore. serious, serious pressure on that one. I remember. I'm glad. It, I'm not glad it's been fixed because it was good for the hair. When you have a hot, you just put your head there, and you know it cools you off. So it served its purpose, man. Um, but that would be that would be sweet. Yeah, your crew is. Uh, that's a good crew. I would love to be. I'd love to be. Maybe I could grab Aaron um and evan and and see if you know they'd be game for it and uh, that'd be such a treat man and this was a lot of fun right yeah thanks uh, a lot for doing this it was good to catch up with you thank you so much for having me all right i'll talk to you later thanks a lot gay take care man all right bye-bye all right bye ryan okay west end all lights out thank you for listening to the west end house camp podcast if you have any questions or topics to discuss we'd love to hear your suggestions email them to me at ryan.wehc at gmail.com or you can send me a message a voice message to anchor.fm backslash western house camp backslash message and remember as long as the sun is in the sky the spirit of the house will never die rip 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 rap 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 west end house west end house yeah